Hello, and welcome to Episode 3 of the PathPod Podcast. I'm Mike Arnold of Children's Hospital Colorado, and this is the inaugural edition of the PathPod Quiz Show. Please welcome your hosts, Dr. Sarah Jang of Duke University and Dr. Christina Arnold of the University of Colorado. All right, everybody. Welcome to the PathPod Quiz Show. I'm Sarah Jang. And I'm Christina Arnold. And we are so excited to have uh, you all here for our inaugural quiz game. We've got some special guests today. We've got a special pathology guest. We have a special med student and resident guest here to play our three somewhat pathology-related games. And it's going to be really fun, and I'm really excited to have everyone here. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our special guest. His name is Frank Ingram. And for those of you who are on Twitter, you know Frank as Chucktown Doc. He has great cases, he has great wisdom, and he's a really, really fabulous part of the Twitter pathology community. So welcome, Frank. Hi, thank you for having me today. Hey, Frank, I've always wanted to know, what does your handle Chucktown refer to? Okay, that's a great question. So I did my medical school and residency training in Charleston, South Carolina at MUSC. And a lot of locals in Charleston, since it's Charleston, Charlestown, refer to it as Chucktown. And so when I got on Twitter, I was in Charleston. And so Chucktown died. I'm so glad you asked that, Christina, because I, I was always confused, too, because I lived in Charleston for a couple of years. And so I always thought Chucktown was Charleston, but ah. it was in Charlotte. So I was like, is Chucktown a secret nickname for Charlotte as well? And I just never asked. So thank you for clarifying that mystery for me. I have a follow-up question. Have you done any work in radio? Because your voice is fantastic for radio. <laughs> no, I have not. I have not, but thank you very much for that. Before, when we had a landline and someone, you know, they call it at at dinner time, some business person would call trying to sell something. And I'd answer as a full grown adult, say hi, and they'd say, Is your mother home? So I've <laughs> always, I've, no one's ever complimented me on having like a smooth, mature voice, but I appreciate, Sarah, you finding a role for or letting me participate in, in the podcast game today. Are you kidding me? I, I knew that you had a secret dream of always being a quiz show or game show. <laughs> I know Christina is going to be fabulous for this. Um, and I'm so glad you agreed to participate. I'm so glad everyone agreed to participate. Well, that's actually a great segue to one of our questions. So Frank, can you tell us what your non-pathology career would have been? My non-pathology career? Well, you know, I have always been a fan of golf. And I never got good enough at golf to turn it into a career. But if we're going to go into fantasy world and pretend, uh, I would have loved to have been a professional golfer. If I was not good enough to be a professional golfer, I would have loved to have just been, you know, just the, the local golf pro at the golf course. So how did you get into pathology, Frank? Well, you know, like most people... Um, I did not think I was going to be a pathologist when I went to med school. I thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, My mom has this great story she tells about me going to the mall when I was a little kid and handed me a penny to throw in the fountain. And I threw the penny into the fountain at about age three and wished to be an orthopedic surgeon. I'm not sure. Wow. That is so cool. I'm not sure why that got into my head, but it did. Mom was a nurse. Um, And I come from a long line of nurses and love nurses, but I, I, for some reason, wanted to go into orthopedics and had that in my head going to med school. Um, But, you know, during my second year pathology course, they offered a 
a forensics elective on the um, on the Friday afternoons, and I I took the forensics elective and loved it, and took a forensics elective as a fourth year medical student very early in fourth year and loved it. And the forensic pathologist in Charleston told me that if I wanted to go into forensics, I should probably do a surge path elective because most of pathology residency would be surge path. And if I didn't like surge path, I'd be miserable for four years. And so I took a surge path elective and wouldn't you know it, I loved that even more than I loved forensics. Found myself in this wonderful world of pathology, which I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but is just the best kept secret in medicine. It is just great. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that uh, you were able to be dissuaded from your initial three-year-old dream of being an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> I think that having you as part of the Twitter Path community has really made it a lot of fun. And so we are, we are certainly glad to have you. Thank you, Frank. And we're going to bring you back later to play your own game later. So hold on for that. We're very excited. Um, but let's go ahead and introduce our first contestant. Sarah and Christina, help me welcome our first medical student contestant. From the Medical College of Georgia, it's Matt Loa. Hi, uh, it's an honor to be here. I'm a fourth year medical student at Medical College of Georgia, and I am an incoming pathology resident at the University of Utah. Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at mattcrofage, spelled M-A-T-T-C-R-O-P-H-A-G-E. And Originally, it was it started off being a kind of a food related pun because I enjoy eating, you know, various kinds of foods, uh, trying out new cuisines. But uh, it also just so happens to be the name of a type of cell. And uh, it just happened to fit in very well with my love for pathology. What did you want to be when you were three years old? When I was three years old, I wanted to be a computer programmer. Okay. I, and how did you get into pathology? Uh, I came to pathology along the CP route, actually. Uh, I did a, a, an elective in med school in clinical pathology, and I fell in love with the four you know, main parts of CP, heme, blood banking, uh, microbio, and cl clinical chemistry. And I just thought that those were the funnest things, being able to get a bunch of lab data and synergize it into a diagnosis of a disease. And then I, afterwards, I discovered the AP side of things and I thought that was really fun as well. And so, yeah, that's where, that's where that came Fantastic. from. Fantastic. How long have you been on Twitter? I have been on Twitter. Oh gosh. Uh, not very long, honestly. I think I joined maybe last September. So less than a year ago. Well, you have a terrific presence on Twitter. You're, you seem to be a natural at it and a real part of our Twitter family. So we're glad to have you here today. Well, thank you guys so much. Matt, that's the pathology call pager, which means it's time to start the quiz. Sarah, tell us what Matt's playing for. If he gets enough right, he is going to win a fabulous prize, a limited edition Path pod clear ruler. Yes, Matt. You will be the envy of all of your friends and your enemies. And your enemies. Don't let them try to steal it because those clear rulers are currency in the pathology department. When you see someone with this ruler out there, audience, you know that person truly earned it. Let's do it. All right. Now, I just want to say what, how this is going to go. 
questions. I'm going to give you a question and some answer choices, and you identify the correct answer choice. Sound good? Sounds great. Let's start with this. Identify which of the following is not a form of necrosis. A, coagulative necrosis. B, liquefactive necrosis. C, caseous necrosis. Or D, sclerosing necrosis. I think I'm going to have to go with D, sclerosing necrosis. Fantastic, Matt. You are on fire. That is the fake form of necrosis. All right. This one, Matt, is going to be a little bit different format. I'm going to describe a syndrome. And when you feel like you have it, buzz in and give us the answer. Okay. Here's the patient. Female, short stature, widely spaced nipples. Turner syndrome. You got it, Matt. You are two for two and looking like you are on fire. All right. This one might be a little harder. This is also going to be a identify the correct question. I had to make some of these hard to try to stump you. Here we go. A congenital absence of ganglion cells in the colon is associated with which of the following? A, APCG mutation. B, down syndrome, C, Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome, D, colon polyps. Oh, that's a toughie. Uh, I'm going to go with B, down syndrome. Fantastic. Matt, tell me, what is the diagnosis of a congenital absence of ganglion cells? That would be Hirschsprung's disease. That's an extra point, sir, an extra point. Who's got the score? Matt's doing great. He's three for three with a bonus point. I have a bonus question for Matt since he's so on fire. Matt, do you know what is associated with the APC gene mutation? Familial adenomatous polyposis. You got it, Matt. You got it. And folks, someday Matt's going to be writing his own textbook. Let's keep going. Here we go. We're going to take a dip into forensics. A 17-year-old athlete collapses during a marathon. At time of autopsy, we see a marked expansion of the intraverticular septum in the heart. Histologic sections show myocardial disarray of enlarged heart fibers and fibrosis. Do you know this condition? Is it hypertrophic cardiomyopathy? You got it, Matt. Oh my gosh, you are ready to pathologize. Fantastic. Correct. That is the number one cause. In that scenario, a young person goes down during athletic, an athletic event. That's the most common cause, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. All right. These may be too easy for you. Let's keep going, though. Identify the common association with Mallory Weiss tear. A, an alcoholic with prolonged vomiting. B, Crest syndrome. C, food allergies. D, cystic fibrosis. Uh, I'm going to have to go A. Yes, Matt, that's correct. Now for a bonus point, tell us, do you know what CREST stands for? Let me think. C is calcinosis. R is Raynaud's. E is esophageal dysmotility. S is sclerodactyly. And T is telegenctase. You got it. We have one more question to go. Here we go. Identify the correct description of an eosinophil. If you feel very confident, I might just throw it to you and have you describe the eosinophil. Uh, eosinophils are my favorite type of white blood cell. So 
hopefully I do it justice, but you know, I'm still a, I'm still a, a trainee. Eosinophils are, have pink cytoplasm, eosinophilic cytoplasm with medium-sized granules and bilobed nuclei. Matt, I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly what I have written down. Bilobed nuclei with orange granular cytoplasm. Congratulations. That. And a limited edition PathPod ruler will be coming to you shortly. Yes, you'll be the enemy of all your friends. And I think you did fantastic on this game. We are so so thrilled to have you joining us in the ranks of pathologists. You are going to be amazing. And I think actually you could probably replace me right now. So fly on down to Durham or drive on down to Durham since there's no commercial flights. And uh, yeah, you could take my place. It's going to be great. Hey, Matt, I have a question for you. Tell us how you're feeling after being the first person to win our Path Pod game show. Oh my gosh, my heart is racing. I am sweating. It is such an honor to be a part of this uh, wonderful podcast. Yeah. What are you gonna do next? I'm gonna go wash my hands. Good. <laughs> I feel like I wanna wash my hands too. No, me too, me too. Let's all go take a break and wash our hands and we'll come back with our next contestant. See you in a few. Alrighty, so let's bring on our next guest. Our next guest is Jake Mall. And Jake, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am a third-year pathology resident at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. Um, I came into medicine pretty late in my career. I initially did my. I grew up in England, as you can maybe guess from my accent. Uh, I did my PhD in immunology at Imperial College London. And uh, during my PhD, I just got involved uh, with research on the side of the European Space Agency and became interested in spaceflight and human spaceflight. And I ended up coming to the United States and working at NASA for 10 years in the space station program and uh, decided uh, to my wife's kind of consternation that I would go to medical school at UNC and uh, then uh, fell in love with pathology and went to Duke University. All right, Jake, now let's go through your real life history because that was <laughs> insane. <laughs> and I wish yeah. you could see our faces because everyone's eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's kind of a long story. <laughs> so do you have a moon rock? Uh, I do not have a moon rock, but I worked in the building uh, that had the moon rocks. It's called Building 31 at NASA Johnson Space Center and uh, in Houston. And we had all the moon rocks in a special... Uh, airtight room, uh, which was uh, kind of climate controlled. And so I was very close to the moon rocks just next to my office. Uh, I think I got a moon rock for Christmas, but I'm guessing my parents just went out into the yard and got a rock. Maybe so, yeah. Is there an interesting tidbit from your NASA experience that you could share with us? Well, I will say that I uh, part of my job was to work on parabolic flights. That's where um, so I, I, I'm a pilot myself. I love aviation. Uh, we used to fly these flights that go in a parabolic arc and create periods of weightlessness for 30, 40 seconds at a time. So every bit of equipment uh, that we spend, send to the space station, we have to test in zero gravity. And so um, uh, I made a lot of the lab on a chip equipment for the space station. So we would always test it in 
zero gravity. So there's nothing like floating around in zero gravity. You just float around the cabin. You just take off your watch, spin it in one position, and it stays in the air. And you come back to it, and it's still there. It's the most amazing wow. experience. Do you have a picture of yourself doing that? Uh, I think I do. I have a few videos and stuff, too. So. I love that. You know, it may be like, you know how when you're, when you're signing out and you drop a slide, and you're like, don't move, don't roll the chair, parabolic space flight would be like the perfect <laughs> time to drop a slide because it wouldn't break. Roll Absolutely. Forward. It would just... It, it could it could float around though, and you just you wouldn't be able to find it. So that, that would be a downside. Maybe hazardous, you know, to have all these like sharp glass objects floating around. I'm trying to envision a sign out in parabolic space weightlessness. That sounds really interesting. Just to combine your interests of pathology and space. There is a microscope on the space station. What that, uh, does not have an oil objective, I do believe, but it does have like a 20x and a 40x. I approve that there's no oil objective. Yeah, yeah, this kind of yeah. So you have to just do with with what you've got. Um, but they do have a microscope up there, and they are capable of looking at some slides. So, so Jake, uh, do you want to tell us how you, after all the space flight and parabolic excitement, how did you get into pathology? Well, it's kind of interesting. So back during my PhD, it was a long, long time ago now, you know, a lot of what I did was look at slides. Um, I specifically looked at uh, gene therapy and skeletal muscle. So I looked at a lot of skeletal muscle sections, was involved in taking sections, uh, looking at under, under the microscope. So I had that background. But at, at UNC, when I went to medical school, I loved the pathology part of things. And even on clinical rotations, just waiting for the pathology diagnosis was the most exciting thing for me. Um, and so, you know, just visually, I love pathology. I think you can just look at stuff, even if you don't know what it is. It is fascinating just looking at it visually. Um, you provide the ultimate diagnosis, um, which is which is a great thing. And uh, often what I think was, was personally, I felt pathology involved the least amount of grunt work uh, out of all the... <laughs> Out of all the clinical rotations I went through, of course, every job that you do involves a little bit of work that, you know, you don't necessarily, um, you know, it's, it's part of the routine. But I, th I thought pathology had the highest percentage of interest, interesting uh, stuff going on uh, during a rotation. So I love that. Do you still feel that way after your chief year here, Jake? <laughs> chief year. Chief year is a little bit different, I, I must admit. <laughs> a lot of scheduling dealing with a lot of issues, but uh, that was a good year's experience. I would, I probably wouldn't do it for more than a year. If your favorite part of medical school is waiting for the pathology diagnosis, you're probably going to be a pathologist. That's a good one. Hey, Jake. Yeah. I've heard that the nickname of that plane that flies in the parabolic orbit is the Vomit Comet. It is indeed. It is indeed, and it's called that for a definite reason. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, when people vomit on the in the plane, just vomit just goes in. I mean, and it and it and it scatters into lots of different little pieces. Um, and we have a great, actually, undergraduate research program where a lot of undergraduates uh, come do their science experiments on the vomit comet. And during those, we do get quite a lot of uh, vomit. So there's not like a a little container you can vomit into that sucks into it, like a uh, dentist's there, office. <laughs> there is a container, but then people often. People often miss. There is one person's job, um, it's a terrible job, to go around and 
catch all the vomit and put it into a uh, bag. <laughs> I feel like that's like a perfect job for the undergraduates. Actually, when I, story, I thought you were going to go in the direction of, yeah, there's a whole undergraduate internship where they come and just like collect vomit. Collect the vomit. Well, you know, that's a fantastic idea, Dr. Jay. I should suggest that. <laughs> Another good sign that you're going to go into pathology is that if you, if you have no problem with the description of zero gravity vomit on the vomit comet, <laughs> you're probably going to be okay in pathology. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Good one. Good one. Hear that out there, audience, all you students thinking about pathology, keep that in mind. All right, Jake, the pathology call pager means it's time to play our next game. Well, Jake, you ready to play your very own pun pathology game? Okay, I'm ready. All right. So this is a game about some of the bodies in pathology. There's a lot of bodies in pathology. Uh, so, for instance, my favorite body is uh, the Melamed Walinska body, which you see in urinary cytology, right? Because I'm a cytopathologist. Christina, do you have a favorite path body? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going with Samoma bodies. Maybe. Mike? I'd probably have to be a Camino body. That's probably what I see the most. All right. So let me just give you an example of how this game is going to go. It's going to require a little bit of path knowledge and a little bit of regular trivia. So it's kind of a run-on game. Um, each of the answers is going to include a body that we find in pathology. But the first part of the clue is going to be a phrase that is non-pathology related. And the second word of the phrase is going to run into the body. It sounds really confusing because it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give you an example. So, for instance, the clue would be, don't try to fool me. This isn't a colorful, sometimes preserved fish at all. It's a neurosecretory structure found in the posterior pituitary. And so for that, the first part of the clue is red herring. And the second part of the clue is herring body. So the answer would be red herring body. Clear as mud? Clear as mud. Clear as mud. All right. And as a quick reminder, uh, this game is meant to be fun, and you're playing against just yourself, Jake, and you, if you get enough answers right, you will get a limited edition PathPod Clear Ruler. So the stakes wow. literally that is, not be lower. If that wasn't motivation, I didn't know what it is. <laughs> All right, so let's get started with your first clue. Okay. Hey. I see a small terrier that has its origins in fox hunting in England in this cell from a patient with myeloma. Myeloma. Yeah. I'm trying to think through all the, I'm thinking of the hey, Russell bodies. Yes, yes. So and then so. terrier that has its origins in fox hunting in England. Jet, <laughs> Jet Russell Terrier. Yes, Jake, so, wow, yes, good for you. Yay, you got it, see? It's, like, well, it's horrible, but it's not so horrible. <laughs> I know, that's taking me back to my fox hunting days in England. Obviously, you had an advantage given your... <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> All right, you ready for the next one? I'm ready. All right, so what is a comedian and host of a late-night talk show doing in the glomerulus of this diabetic patient. Okay, so that would be a diabetic patient uh, 
and I'm thinking, I'm just kind of blanking on that body that we always see in the glomerulus. Mm -hmm. What about the first part? There's a comedian and host of a late night talk show. I think it's literally called The Late Night Show. Okay. I'm not a big frequenter of late night shows. Oh, yeah, me neither. I honestly don't watch a ton of TV, but he used to be on um, a another show. Did, I don't know if you ever watched uh, The Man Show or Win Ben Stein's Money on the Comedy Central. Uh, All right. So the answer to that one is the comedian and host of a late night talk show is Jimmy Kimmel. And the nodule in the glomerulus of a diabetic kidney is the Kimmel Steel Wilson body, thus making it the Jimmy Kimmel Steel Wilson body. Uh, of course, yep. Which is yeah. more commonly the nodule that you see in diabetic patients. But yes, these are these are intentionally quite tough and hard and evil uh, as, you know, I'm an evil attending, Jake knows this. No, that was a good one. I'm very impressed, Sarah. You have a real knack for these, and I think of you ever decide pathology doesn't hold your interest anymore, you could be a professional pun writer. Do we agree, guys? Yeah, that's good. Oh, yes. All right, so next question. Uh, I bet during this time period, in the 1840s and 50s, when people flocked to California, hoping to get rich, they weren't okay. looking for these eosinophilic structures seen in odontogenic cysts. Oh my gosh. So 1840s, 1850s, I think they're the gold rush. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, yeah. And eosinophilic structures in what cyst? An odontogenic cyst. Odontogenic cyst. Yes. So you got the first part right. Yeah. Add okay. three more letters and create a body that you see in odontogenic cysts. Okay. So gold is part of that body. So okay. uh, the second part. So it's gold rush. Oh, gold rush. I do not know. I think that this can be blamed squarely on me because I'm the ENT pathologist who should be teaching you guys these things. But the body that you see in odontogenic cysts that's eosinophilic is called the Rushton body. So it would be the gold Rushton body. And like I said, I did intentionally make these very challenging. So, all right, let's try the next one. Okay. All right. At the end of a night at the bar... You get one more chance to order your favorite beverage. You might want to make it a coffee if you're going home to look for these follicle-like structures in a granulosa cell tumor. Okay, so... This would be theoretical for you, Jake, because you don't go to bars, right? You're always studying. I'm always studying. Or you're always in the heme path sign out room exactly all right so theoretical try to try to imagine what someone who goes to the bar okay i'm trying to i'm trying to imagine it okay so granulosa cell tumor we're thinking of coffee bean nuclei Mm -hmm. and we're thinking of a body there Mm -hmm. and the last beverage okay so if 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 you watched a movie where people were going to a bar at the end of the night, you know, the bartender yells out something when it is your last chance to get a beverage. I feel like Matt might have a clue here. He seems Matt, to you be in help it. Out with oh, Matt, do you go, have a clue? Matt, Matt, go for it. Phone a friend for at least part of the answer? Absolutely. So the last, uh, it would be the last call. Yes, that's the last right. call, yep. If you're theoretical, because you too, Matt, are don't know nothing about going to the bar that late. Of course, of course. Did you, Matt? Did you have something else? 
I was just going to say that, uh, of course, I'm not going to bars, okay. especially not right now. Oh, yeah. No one's going to bars right now. Okay. Okay. So if I, if I imagine I'm going to a bar, so this would be a Cole Exner body. Yes! Yay! Yeah. It's Cole Exner body. Jake, like a boss. You did it like a boss. I love it. And I love the, the phoning a friend. That's definitely part of this. We're all in it together. And I love the, this idea is in pathology, if you um, are having trouble or if you just need a little hand, we are basically your virtual consensus conference. Except for me, I'm the one, you know, bringing all the challenging cases and not helping out at all. <laughs> I know you'll be relieved. This is the last, uh, last one. All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay. It's not every day I see an animated, red-haired, large mustache cowboy in my thyroid cytology. But when I do, I get very suspicious for papillary thyroid carcinoma. Okay, there was a lot of information in that, that person. <laughs> Red-haired, large, mustached cowboy. Um, so I'm thinking, well, thyroid, well, I'm thinking of some other bodies. Mm -hmm, yep, so that's the second part. Okay. And then it may be an unfair question because if you didn't grow up watching American um, cartoons, you may not be familiar with this cowboy. Oh, is it, a is it, one of the, is it the cowboy on Bugs Bunny with the yes. big mustache? His, he's oh. got a name. Oh, he does? Is it something Sam? Yes! Sam? Yes, oh, okay. He's Sam, oh, my body. I, oh, I, I didn't know I had so much cartoon knowledge. I know. Yay! Thank you, Jake. Jake, you knocked it out of the park. Not enough to win your very own PathPod ruler. Thank you so much for playing my horrifically difficult game. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Jake, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good now. I can, uh, you know, I can envisage myself with the last drink of the bar and just remember those things. So that's uh, it's a good thing. Well, that sound means it's time for our next game with our next guest, Frank Ingram. Do we have uh, Dr. Frank Ingram in the house? I'm here. Hello. All right. Are you ready to play Bluff the Pathologist? I'm ready to play, but the bar has been set incredibly high, and I'm very <laughs> nervous about what's going to happen. What we're going to show you is only going to embarrass Sarah, myself, and Mike. In this segment, Sarah, myself, and Mike are each going to read a fun fact about our life. Two of these statements will be true, and one is entirely made up. Dr. Ingram's job is to pick out the false fact. Does that make sense, Frank? It sure does. All right, so let's go ahead and start. Pick out the false fact. So thinking ahead, you know, we're all looking forward to uh, brighter times, and, you know, Christmas is a bright time for many of us. Um, fun fact about me, I uh, am an immigrant, so I actually never had a Christmas tree growing up um, until I had my own kids, and uh, we started the tradition of going out and picking out the tree every year. Um, for me, I have had, I love Christmas trees. I, um, at my longest extent, had a Christmas tree up for 18 months in a row and only took it down because I was moving out of town. Wow. <laughs> of course, I share Christina's love for Christmas. And at one time... <laughs> Why is that, Mike? <laughs> Probably something to do with the fact that we're married. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's why. I don't know. But anyways, at one point, I had up to six Christmas trees up at one time in my house. 
All right, Frank, so which of these three enticing facts sounds false? Well, let's see. Um, you know, I think Sarah's story sounds the most reasonable to me, so I'm going to eliminate her first. Sorry, Sarah. Um, and so it comes down to whether or not I believe that there was a Christmas tree in the Arnold house for 18 months in a row, or if there were six Christmas trees in the Arnold house at the same time. Both of those are pretty remarkable achievements, I'd have to say. But I'm going to go with the 18-month the Christmas tree. So that would mean that, that Christina had a tree in her house for two Christmases. It stayed up for two Christmases in a row. And that, I'm going to say that one's false. Your final answer is Christina for the false. Actually, that's true. Aww. I find Christmas trees give me a lot of secure, a lot of comfort. So despite my husband and all of our guests coming to our house and saying, what are you doing with this Christmas tree up in July? I said, yeah. I need this. <laughs> this is keeping me <laughs> together. So that actually was true. So was Mike. Sarah, do you yeah. want to, um, you're, yeah. So actually, as you could tell from our last game, I'm really, really good at fooling people. Uh, so mine was the false one. As immigrants, actually, my family was really, really excited about fitting in as soon as possible. So we got, once we moved to the U.S., we got the fake tree, we got the like tinsel and the lights, we put all that stuff up and we had that same fake tree that I put together every year as my childhood tradition of going up into the attic, getting the box of the fake tree, and then assembling it. So... Nice. Do you still do a fake tree or do you do a real oh, tree? Yeah. No, actually, so I'm, I'm a fake tree all the way, not just because that was my tradition, but also because I don't like the smell of pine trees and I don't ah. like to sweep up needles. So yeah. Interesting. Tradition had to lose out. They used to go and pick out a tree and it was always so big. They had to cut the top off to fit in their house. Wow. But, yeah. Frank, how about you? What's Christmas look like at your house? Well, you know, the reason I went with your answer, Christina, and not with Michael's is because We've come remarkably close to six Christmas trees in the house <laughs> at my place uh, more than one Christmas. My wife and I both really enjoy it. Oh, that's terrific. That's wonderful. Okay, so we decided we would take the next segment would be a little bit with an educational bent. So let's go ahead and get started, Sarah. All right. So fun fact about me, um, I skipped two grades growing up and I started college at 16. So social awkwardness, maybe that's where it came from. <laughs> and my fun fact is I had to repeat kindergarten. In my whole life, I have read fewer than five books for pleasure cover to cover. All right, Frank, what do you think? I'm getting some audience vibes from Matt here, who's having a lot. I love having on. I wish you guys could see him. So Frank, which is the false fun fact? So one of these is false. One is false. I'm going to say that, that Dr. Michael Arnold's answer is false, that he's only read a handful of books for pleasure. I just, I don't buy that. All right, Mike, what do you say? He, he's right. It's, it's not fewer than five, but it's not a lot more either. <laughs> How many would you say? I don't know. It's... It can't be more than 10. I'm just not a big pleasure reader. Right. You know, so. I don't do pleasure reading much anymore, but I do pleasure listening. All of my commute time in the car is all books on tape now, which I love. Makes How long is your commute? Uh, depending, well, these days it's really short uh, with no traffic around. Uh, normally it varies between... Uh, 20 and 40 minutes, depending on what time I have to get. Wow. And what are some, what are your recommendations for audio listening? 
you know, I've besides Pathpod, of course, of course, of course, Pathpod will be my new favorite. Uh, you know, I am a big fan of all the Harry Potter Potter books on tape. That's been something that's kept me connected to my kids as they've gotten older, as they've really uh, started to enjoy those books. Uh, and the, the guy that reads those books does a great job. And I'm listening to the Outlander series right now, which is this kind of pseudo historical fiction uh, that uh, was written by an author named Diana Gabaldon, which is really great. Fantastic. So Sarah, tell us which grades did you skip? So I skipped uh, sixth grade and then I skipped most of eighth grade as well. So I actually wow. missed out on most of middle school, which uh, honestly I think was not a bad choice, you know, <laughs> for a, a nerdy uh, kid with glasses who's like to spend time reading uh, more than socializing with other kids. Yeah. And when you went to college, were you living on college campus at 16? <laughs> yep. Wow, Sarah. Yeah, it was so funny because I'm a Duke lifer and we, we went to a lot of the basketball games at Duke and they would always announce before the games that for kids 16 and under you could join the junior blue devils and all my friends thought it was super fun because I was 16 to make fun of me and tell me to join the junior blue devils so I could go out there and like mop the floor and be a ball boy or girl on the basketball floor which would have been hilarious. funny yet horrifyingly humiliating that's hilarious well, to add to humiliation, I'll do my fun fact is I had to repeat kindergarten. I loved it. I, I'm all for it. So I'd recommend it. I had done three. They had offered it. If you have to do a year over again, a year where you get to take naps, <laughs> take naps, dress up. I would have loved to repeat kindergarten. Ms. Right? Miss Tothrow was my favorite teacher of all time. She was the best. I would have loved another year with her. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun year. Okay, well, very good. We're moving on to segment three. We're going to now talk a little bit about pop culture themed items. Sarah, go ahead and get us started. Yeah, so um, one of my favorite bands I'm really, really into, and I've seen them over 20 times in concert. Okay, my fun fact is that I was in the Regis and Kathy Lee audience thrice. And I was able to see Hamilton in New York City from the third row center orchestra. All right, Frank, which is one of these facts is false. Well, you know, I'm, I'm lamenting uh, not seeing live concerts right now. I had two great ones that were uh, uh, planned for April. I was supposed to see Billy Joel at Bank of America Stadium last Saturday, and of course that didn't happen. And, and I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan, and Jimmy Buffett is, was supposed to play the pavilion here in town on this Saturday. And of course, that's been canceled. So that's that's really sad. Um, let's see. Uh, this is a tough one for me. I'm going to say that Sarah has not seen the same band that many times. I'm going to say that's the false one. All right, Sarah. Hey, Sarah, before you respond to that, you know what that's really interesting about this PATH podcast is it reminds me of a time capsule. You know, we're going to look back at this time and what was all different. Well, the, the Jimmy Buffett concert was canceled. The commute was 20 minutes. It's, it's really interesting to kind of capture all of this together when we're coming from different parts of the world. All right, Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, so my favorite band uh, is called Jump Little Children. They're, they're, we're based out of Charleston. And uh, during college, I would go around and they would play shows in the Southeast. I'd go down to Charleston, to Atlanta. Um, and I have seen that band 
probably over 30 times. They just did a reunion tour and I saw them in Boston and New York. So yeah, no, I, I have seen my favorite band definitely more than 20 times, probably more than 30, maybe 50, I don't know, a lot. Do a they, lot of times. does that band know you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they have a lot of audience participation. So they, they know me and there's a very um, tight knit fan community. And so I got to know a lot of friends through that. And so it's a lot of fun. It became kind of more than just going to the shows, but you would go and see your friends, say hi to the band, take photos. So a lot of fun. Nice. Oh, that's great. So I was the false fact. I have been in the Regis and Kathy Lee audience, but it was only twice. So I actually did get to see Hamilton in New York City in the third row. I took Christina for her birthday. That's great. My daughters are incredibly jealous. They they know that musical by heart. Matt, have you been to the have you seen Hamilton? I have not unfortunately, but I love it. I mean, it's it's musical theater gold. I had chills. It was the whole like two and a half hours. I've never had chills the entire time. It was so emotional and timeless and powerful. We're going to head into the fourth of fifth segments. We're almost there. Dr. Ingram, you're doing fantastic. This fourth segment, the theme is New York City. So um, fun fact about me, I met my husband by following him onto a New York City subway train. Fun fact about me, when I met my husband, Mike Arnold, it was not love at first sight. When I met Christina, it was love at first sight for both of us. I'm assuming you met in New York, and that's why that, that's yes, related. Yes. Okay. Hmm. And while you think we put this New York City clip in here, we wanted to spend a moment to acknowledge all of our, our friends and families who are in New York, especially the New York City area, which has really been hard hit by the coronavirus. And we hope that they're, they, we hope that the days are getting better and that um, and, and our hearts reach out to them. So Frank, only one of these statements is false. Which one is false? Well, I'm a romantic, and I don't like the idea that it wasn't love at first sight for the Arnold. So I'm going to say that that was false. Frank, that's true. That's true. Mike and I met. Actually, you know what? We met in Dallas. But he, after we met in Dallas a few months later, he flew to New York City where, where I was in college. And we spent a week um, touring the city. So when we met in Dallas, it was love at first sight. It was a really, it was a really fun time. And we uh, more recently brought the kids back to New York City maybe a year or two ago, and they just had such a great time. They loved riding the subway and taking taxis and seeing all the sights. Tell us more, Sarah, about... Oh, no, I love it. I love it. So actually, that, I didn't realize, where did you go to school in New York? Barnard College, the women's college on 116th and Broadway. That's exactly where that is. So actually, funny story. I didn't realize our lives intersected in so many ways. So one spring break, when I was in college, I went to visit my friend at Barnard, and I stayed with her, uh, you know, probably illegally in her dorm room, right? Like you do when you're visiting friends in New York. And uh, I was there with another friend of mine. We were in Times Square. We were waiting on the platform actually to go back up to Barnard. And I saw this very, very handsome, tall gentleman on the subway platform talking to his friends. And I mentioned to my, my friend that, you know, this guy was really just very, very attractive. 
And uh, when his train came leading to Harlem, uh, she encouraged me to get on the train with him. <laughs> we followed him on the train and then started up conversation. And we spent the entire week, uh, the two of us basically exploring New York. And I fell in love. And that was uh, over 18 years ago. And so, yeah. Wow. wow, that is an incredible Amazing. story. So was he by himself? Well, he was with a group of about eight friends of his. They were going to go see a movie, and we kind of ended up, you know, just joining their group. And, uh, yeah, it was... What movie was it? We Were Soldiers, uh, which I, I remembered because the director had some sort of Duke connection, so I'd already seen the movie, but I paid to see that movie again wow. that is the most beautiful story i've ever heard <laughs> it really is it really is have you told your kids that story i don't know that we've told i think i think so we've brought the kids back so you know going back to new york city with the kids is totally different so we lived in new york for a little while and it's it's fun to bring the kids back but it's definitely a different new york city and we still bring them back and like eat all the foods and like but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah we go back and we're like oh yeah I remember when that warehouse with the grocery store used to be an underground rave place. And That's, anyway. funny. That's funny. That's wonderful. Okay, Frank, we're on to our very last segment of Bluff the Pathologist. And this theme, it's a little bit of a, a mishmash. Sarah, take it away. So um, during college, I had the chance to study abroad in China, which is where I'm originally from, and actually minored in Asian art. Okay, my fun fact is I experienced a Kenyan military coup by accident. And I was once in the audience of a seminar thinking that my presentation was going to be the next day until the moderator called my name and asked me to present. That's horrifying. It's a waking nightmare, right? <laughs> that really is. Um, and I'm really hoping that that's the false one for your sake, Michael. So that's going to be my guess. Unfortunately, Frank, that is that is entirely true. Oh no! Yes, oh. it was uh, it was a large cancer conference, and I just did not read the schedule apparently very carefully, or had an old version or something, or put it in my, put it in my calendar wrong. But more horrifying to me than a Kenyan coup. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I told so. What I what happens to me often right before I give a lecture is I have I have night terrors and it's always about my name getting called or me going up to the podium and everything disappears and I've never practiced. So when he came and told me that, I said, you are living my nightmare. But he's very cool, calm, and collected, and I'm sure it went well. All right, so that was truth. Mine was true also. Sarah, is there any part of your statement that was true? Oh, no. So, no, no. I, uh, uh, my one regret from college is I didn't do any study abroad. <laughs> no, I wish I had. I, I, did a, I actually did a clerkship in Shanghai for a month in medical school, but I didn't study abroad in college. And that is my one regret is I didn't go to Europe and backpack and stay in hostels back when I was young enough to be willing to share a bathroom with under, other individuals because I I feel like I missed out on some life experiences there. You're traveling. You've got, you've seen so many wonderful sites. So tell the audience your approach to your solo travel trips before all of this happened. This is actually a really, I mean, it, in the grand scheme of things, not really a tragedy, but actually a very current tragedy is that every year for my birthday, I, um, I always try to be out of the country and I usually take a solo trip once a year, just me, um, to go and do whatever I want with no, 
you know, I think I love, I obviously love my career and I love my life and I love my family, but it's nice to take a break from all of that and just eat really good food and hang out at cafes. And yesterday I was supposed to get on a plane to go to the Faroe Islands in Iceland for my annual birthday trip. I was going to go to a knitting festival and eat at a Michelin starred restaurant in the Faroe Islands. And I'm not doing any of that. Um, but I am still knitting and I get to be on this podcast with you guys. So it's not all losses, but I am still a little bit sad. Well, that means your birthday is soon. It Happy is birthday, sad. Sarah. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Dr. Jane. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. And I would like to celebrate with my family, which will be wonderful. Fantastic. And you'll have to go on two trips next year. I agree. Yes, 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 exactly. Lots to look forward to. All right. Well, Dr. Ingram, it's no surprise you won your segment and you will be receiving a clear or colorless ruler as a prize. How are you feeling, Dr. Ingram? I feel great. That's the only color ruler that a pathologist should have because you can slide it onto the stage of your microscope and measure things. Like a boss, Dr. Ingram, like a boss. So thank you so much to all of our fabulous contestants. You guys all did wonderful. You're all going to be getting your limited edition PathPod Clear Rulers. And now we have a segment called, uh, I guess, you know, we should call it Stump the Host, where our special guest is going to have an opportunity to turn the tables on us, Christina, and make us play our own little game. So I think Dr. Ingram has brought at least one fun fact, and uh, we are going to try to answer it um, to the best of our ability. And I have no idea what the fact is about, whether it's pathology related or not, um, but I'm really, really looking forward to uh, sounding foolish on this podcast with you, Christina. Me too. Well, uh, these are only uh, mildly pathology related fun facts, but I think that uh, you'll enjoy them. We're going to do a little bit of pathology related botany to, to wrap things up here. So I have two questions for you that are uh, relate that uh, have to do with plants that uh, for some reason have an association uh, with pathology. So let's start uh, with, uh, with this question. So uh, the, the countries of uh, Belize on the Yucatan Peninsula and the Dominican Republic on the island of Hispaniola uh, share the same national tree. And do you happen to know how that national tree is related to our field? And if you don't know it right away, I have another little clue I can I like thinking about Belize and DR because those were good days of, you know, traveling and being able to snorkel and swim. So I'm already in a happier mood. And I have a thought as to why it is. Um, does it have, it's, it's something to do with a tree where we get one of our histology stains. Is that, is that, am I, am I, am I on the right track? Uh, no. Not exactly. <laughs> Um, I love the answer, though, this. Let me give you another clue. Uh, this tree, uh, the name of this tree has something in common with onchocytic neoplasms. When you were describing an onchocytic neoplasm, you might think of this tree. Huh, does it have mitochondria? Is it a vascular pattern throwback? Is it a Herthel tree? You know, I'm a thyroid pathologist, so I always think onchocytic equals Herthel, even though that's kind of a misnomer. 
if you were describing the tree, excuse me, if you were describing an onchocytic neoplasm, the gross appearance of an onchocytic neoplasm. Oh, like, like mahogany. There you go. Awesome. Oh, that's good. The national tree of both uh, Belize and the Dominican Republic is mahogany. Oh, wow. Cytomas and other onchocytic neoplasms are classically described as mahogany brown, grossly. Frank, that is really rich. I'm loving it. I love it. Loving it. Okay, and I have one more uh, question for you. Um, This one also botany related. Uh, There is another uh, tree that's native to Central America and the Caribbean, uh, which can be called the logwood tree. Some people call it the Jamaica wood tree or the Campeche wood tree. Um, would, would you happen to know how this tree is related to our field? I have another clue for you if, if, uh, if that's not enough. Mm. I would definitely need a clue. Matt, Mike, Jake, do you guys want to chime in? I don't think it's fair for us to get to call it. I thought this was the I thought this was the hematoxylin tree. There's some tree in Central America that's like hematoxylin campechianum or something that you get you get hematoxylin means blood wood. So that's what I thought this was. Oh. That's right. And Jake nailed it. The another name for this wood tree. And as Jake uh, correctly identified, the genus name of that tree is Hematoxylum, which is from the Greek roots for blood and wood. Wow. I, I would like to say I was just about to say that, Jake. It was on the tip of the But I was giving you a little bit of space. Do, do I get a second clear ruler for that? We could arrange that. We could arrange that, maybe. Hey, Frank, okay, what was yeah. your second clue that you were going to give? Well, my second clue was going to be that another name for the tree is the bloodwood tree, oh. uh, which uh, has the Greek roots. If you know the Greek roots for blood and tree, uh, would give it away. So why did they name it that way? Is it like when you cut into the bark, it looks red or something? The bark was tradition was originally used uh, to dye fabrics and was that's how it eventually kind of got uh-huh. into the trade. People would harvest this tree and, and take it back to Europe in the 16th through the 19th centuries and use it to dye fabrics. And then some smart uh, microscopist, microscopist figured out that uh, it also dyed human tissue. Fantastic. Frank, you have stumped these chumps. Congratulations. <laughs> You're not chumps oh, at all. That was so fun. I, you know, I had never thought about hematoxylin um, being blood wood, but yeah, he, fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Thank you, Frank. That was awesome. I nice love job, Frank. both botany. Well, thank you both. Thank you all for it. Uh, including me in this. This has been a load of fun. Wonderful. Well, we look forward to sending you your prize of a clear colorless ruler. Well, that's it for our show, everybody. Thank you so much to our contestants, Matt Luo, Jake Mall, and Frank Ingram. It has been absolutely a pleasure having you all here with us. And on our inaugural PathPod quiz show, it has been delightful. And thank you, of course, to my co-host, Christina Arnold, and to Mike Arnold, who is not only our uh, additional host, but also our audio AV guru. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye. 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 
Support for the Free Path Pod podcast comes from listeners who like it and share it with their friends. So go ahead, send someone the link. And be sure to subscribe to PathPod wherever you download your podcasts. PathPod is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not medical advice. As always on the podcast, any views expressed are solely those of the person speaking and do not necessarily represent their employers, their affiliated institutions, affiliated professional organizations, other speakers on the program, their friends, their families, their pets, or anyone involved in the production and distribution of this podcast. Thanks for listening to PathPod. Uh-huh.